Hi everyone, welcome to The Date Escape. I'm your host, Cassandra Ryder. Today's episode is sponsored by Aged and Infused. Welcome to another interview episode. I hope you really enjoy my interview with Dr. Jess Dominguez. Um, I met her at a conference last year and we connected over our shared experiences of bad date stories. And so it was truly inevitable that I would bring her onto the podcast. And I am so grateful for her time, for her expertise, and most importantly, sharing her bad date stories with us. Now, as a heads up, this was my first attempt at doing a Zoom interview, so you'll probably hear a difference in the audio and in some places of the interview. Unfortunately, the audio is a little difficult to hear. My apologies in advance. I tried my best to kind of salvage what I could, and I hope that you are able to still enjoy the podcast episode amidst maybe some technical difficulties. Thank you for your patience as I learn how to conduct long distance interviews. It's a work in progress. We're all a work in progress. Now, I usually save this for the end of the episode, but I really want you to immerse yourself in my interview with Dr. Jess Dominguez. And so I'll just say it real quick here at the top of the episode. Now, if hearing Jess's bad date stories rings a bell and kind of brings back your own personal memories of bad date stories that you would like me to analyze on this podcast, I would love to hear from you. If you would like your bad date story analyzed on a future episode of this podcast, please email it to thedateescapepodcast at gmail.com. I am also broadening the services of this... I guess we can think of them as services. I'm broadening kind of the topics and conversations that we have on this podcast as well. And so if you have any dating question that relates to communication specifically that you would like me to answer on this podcast in a future episode using communication research and theories to answer your question, please also email those questions to thedateescapepodcast at gmail.com. We also have a podcast website. It's thedateescape.com. And also, it would mean so much to me if you could please rate and review this podcast wherever you listen. Truly, your ratings and and words of either positive feedback or constructive criticism are so helpful in helping me develop the best possible podcast for you all. And as always, please tell a friend, please tell 18 friends how much you love this podcast. Not only will it help kind of have this podcast reach a wider audience by doing so, but Also, hopefully it will remind your friends and family that you tell about the podcast too, about their personal bad date stories, and maybe they'll also want to write in as well. Thank y'all in advance for spreading the word about this podcast. And without further ado, please enjoy the interview with Dr. Jess Dominguez. Okay. All right. Now I think we're all set. So Jess, go ahead. Take it away. Okay, I'm uh, Jess Dominguez, um, pronoun she, her. In some realms, I'm also Dr. Jess Dominguez because I just got my PhD. Yay! Uh, yeah, I think that's basically me. I have my PhD in communication studies um, and I study interpersonal relationships and basically the everyday experience of being in a relationship and all the fun things that go with that. Which made me extra excited to meet you at NCA, which is a conference that human communication folks go to every year to meet someone who has the same kind of fascination with interpersonal relationships in a romantic realm as well. Jess, would you mind talking about uh, your research interests and maybe what you spent the past four years kind of studying in your PhD? Yeah, of course. Um, So like I mentioned, uh, interpersonal relationships, I mostly focus on friendships, on romantic relationships or other kinds of established relationships. My published work is on things like 
when do you know you want to be friends with somebody? What are certain like, you know, what are the things that they say to you that make you feel like this is someone that I want to be friends with? Like they ask me to hang out. They ask me to get coffee outside of class or like beyond the workplace. So is that a signal that they want us to be friends? Another big one was basically how valuable our established relationships are in terms of our energy expense that we have, like our social energy that we have. Um, it's very limited, unfortunately. Uh, mm-hmm. I think some people think that they have, that they can go to five parties in one day and be fine. But when we think about that, like if I had to go to a morning meeting and then I was going to eat coffee with a friend and then I have a phone call with my doctor and then I'm going to have dinner with my wife in the evening, like that is like a lot of energy and you're exhausted at the end of the day of having to interact with all these people. And when you're interacting with them, uh, you're thinking about, you're adjusting the way you're interacting based on the relationship you have with them or the relationship you want to have. And so in the end, we find out is we especially like to hang out with people that we're closest to because we don't have to be so on guard and how we're mm-hmm. like when I'm comfortable with you, like I know that I can like sit however I want, talk however I want, that I can look and act however I feel most comfortable. And so that's what makes our relationships even more valuable is that we get to spend less energy with people that we're closest to. Um, And then most recently, my dissertation uh, was on memes, actually, kind of tapping into that whole everyday experience of being in a relationship. Essentially, that memes were kind of just like one way to look at it. But basically, how do people use mediated communication on a daily level Mm -hmm. to maintain their relationships? You know, we send text messages to each other. We have little phone calls. We also send memes to each other as like really short, brief ways to connect with each other, like for brief moments in our, you know, honestly busy lives. As you get further into adulthood, you only get time only becomes more precious. So kind of just touching on like, how do people do relationships on the daily level? What are some of these small acts that we do? And I think something we talk about a lot in media communication is like the black box of mediated communication, where we talk a lot about how many messages you send somebody, which platforms do you use to send those messages, but the actual like content of the message sometimes gets overlooked because it's admittedly really hard to find out mm-hmm. what's in the message. Um, and so memes kind of like also like cracks that open a little bit to say, what are the messages that we're sending each other that seem to be doing a good job of keeping us connected? I love that. I love that you studied that. And so how much would you support the following statement? Memes are the backbone of our most intimate relationships. How 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 does that land with you? I mean, I think people would expect me to say yes, obviously. <laughs> and I am 70% in agreement with that. Yeah. Because it's all a balance. Of course, I can send my best friend, my brother, and my wife memes all day long, and they know that I'm thinking about them. But at a certain point, they're gonna want an actual message from me. Mm-hmm. They're gonna want me to say, how is your day going? Or for me to tell them how my day is going, like to actually express that writtenly or verbally. And I think memes allow us to be a little bit lazy because we're able to send these very like hyper specific messages to each other. And it makes somebody feel special that like somebody was thinking of me, they were scrolling the entire internet on their phone. They saw something, they thought of me and they sent it to me. And that does make people feel special, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's got a limit, like everything. You have to find a way to balance it with other forms of communication that maybe require a little more effort. Yes. I think that absolutely makes sense. And, you know, I've been out of the online dating realm for a while, but I do feel like they have integrated like, like a GIF or 
some sort of keyboard into that as well. And so I do wonder what percentage of communication happens with that type of you know, expression as well. I know gifts and memes are not the same thing, but kind of in the same realm. I think on Instagram, they're called like stickers or something in the private chat. But I mean, who's to say like a sticker of David Rose doing something? What's to say that's not a meme? You know, it's a widely circulated animated graphic that gets repopulated over and over again. So the, that's another big conversation is what is a meme? Totally. Totally. I also love that you brought up David Rose because I just finished rewatching Schitt's Creek in its entirety. I think I crammed six seasons into like three weeks. I'm very proud of myself. It's pretty quick. So yeah, Yeah, very doable, very doable, especially when, (laughs) especially when there's a lull right before the semester. Um, So Jess, how would you describe your current relational status? I know you've dropped a few little hints where we can maybe guess, but how would you describe that? Uh, so I'm married. We have been married for just a little bit over a year. Uh, we got married June 4th, 2022. Nice. So a year and some change. Nice. Well, wonderful. How? So I also got married during a doctorate program. Um, if you could get married over again, would you still want to get married when you're a student or would you want to do it afterwards? Kind of a loaded question. You know what? Honestly, probably still during the graduate program because like people are like, you're in school. Of course, you're not going to have a giant like event like and nobody is like, like, oh, yeah, like you can't pull that off right now. Like and there's a little more like and I mean, you should be able to have whatever kind of wedding you want. But I think people in my family were a little more understanding of me wanting to have a small ceremony that was way less than your typical budget. And I don't know if like that same kind of leniency would have been given if I was like five years into my career and had like more of the bandwidth to like pull off a bigger, like that I could, not necessarily that I wanted to. So I think I liked having it. I also liked that it was summer break and I didn't have classes. So that was also kind of nice that, you know, like right before the, so the semester ended like a month before the wedding happened. So that was nice that the few weeks leading up to it, I could, we could just focus on that. There wasn't like meetings and phone calls and whatnot. So I liked, I liked that. I liked getting married during grad school. Nice. And that's super smart. That's where my spouse and I messed up. We got married smack dab middle of spring semester, would not recommend. <laughs> and it was like the week before spring break. So spring break was like our honeymoon, but um, I'm glad that you did the timing much better in summer. And when you say you had a small wedding, define small. 30 people, including us. Yes. Nice. nice. I think they call it a micro wedding, um, but it's because the place that we, our venue had a like fire marshal code of like 30 people can fit in this room. So you're like, I physically, we literally cannot do any bigger. <laughs> but it was, I also really liked that because we talked to every single one of our guests spend time with everyone there. We actually had like conversations. We got to dance with everybody. We got to be with everybody. So just, you know, more pros to like having a micro wedding. Definitely. Definitely. I am a big fan of micro weddings, small weddings. I think those are much more, I think they're all meaningful. I love weddings, but I've grown to appreciate smaller weddings as well. So Jess, how would you describe your ideal first date? What is it? What is an ideal date for you? So first off, there has to be like a bit of walking included. I want to be able, like if we like parked in like a central parking lot or we just walked somewhere and like we went downtown because I would like to have the opportunity to walk around if we did multiple things. Maybe we would start with like a happy hour cocktail. Um, 
I'm a big fan of like oh, those really like bougie cocktails that have like 15 ingredients and it's like an experience to drink them. But that's a really good like conversation like starter to like talk about all the things that are in there and like mine tastes like this. What is your taste like? And it's so interesting, like the garnishes they put on there and like the scents that are coming from it. Uh, so starting off with like a, you know, a nice little like cocktail and then like walking somewhere for a meal um, and like chatting about the drink and the atmosphere around us and talking about whatever naturally comes up and then maybe having like a like a shared plates kind of a dinner like small shared plates um again because I really like the variety that you can experience with like food with like taste and smell so you know like small shared plates like a kind of like a tapas situation (laughs) um little appetizers and then maybe we keep walking there might be like a park nearby that we could stroll through um, or there might be like a live music situation going on. Pretty much like a city person. So in my mind, I'm this is happening in an ideal downtown city location. Yeah, like enjoy some of like some kind of live performance. And then maybe, you know, finish the night off either with like a nightcap drink or like ice cream or frozen yogurt. A very well-rounded date experience. I love that you have built in like unique novel experiences that give you enough to kind of talk about if conversation goes dry, where it's like, well, I don't know how many questions to ask, but what's in your drink? You know, what do they have on top? What's the foam taste like? I like that you have that kind of built in. Also the sharing plates. I haven't heard that yet, but I think that's a great technique as well for a date because you have to kind of work with people or you get to see whether they are generous in sharing their meal or not. like adventurous like food eaters true or like if you want to say like i want to get the roasted scallops and they're like mm, i really like shellfish you know like oh, it's a really good way to be like can i be with someone who like doesn't want to like try new things definitely definitely i think that's super smart so i think that's an expert first date or just a date in general but Jess, we are here because you have disclosed to me that you do have, unfortunately, some bad date stories. And so after going over your ideal first date, I'd like to go to your bad date stories and you can just walk us through how those happened. And right up top, I'm so sorry you experienced them. Um, yeah. So I think in most recent history, because so me and my wife have been together since 2020, actually, we met okay. just four things went into chaos. And in recent history, my worst first bad date, or however I'm supposed to phrase it, um, was with them, actually. Our first date was horrible. I, multiple times throughout of it, was like, am I in a dream right now? Like, is punk still a show? Like, a lot of it just, like, wasn't necessarily in either one of ours controls. And then it just felt like the universe was playing with us. But essentially, so I, at the time, was living in Lawrence, Kansas. Uh, where KU is at, and my wife was living is was living in Kansas City, and uh, they're about forty five minutes away. Okay, and we had planned to meet up at this cafe slash bar situation um, for I believe just like a drink, and we were going to meet at around. It wasn't like that late. I think it was like six, maybe. And so I was driving from Lawrence. I hit like, of course, rush hour to get there. Um, I did not plan that out well. Um, And there was an accident at like really close to the exit I was supposed to get off of. So I was running late. So that was the first thing. And then I get to the area and parking was really hard to find. I had to circle the block because it was like uh, like a street with... um, 
you know, brick and mortar kind of stuff. And then it was a neighborhood. So you could park in the neighborhood for free if you could find a parking spot, essentially. So I had a circle maybe like three times. And I was like, this is terrible because we had already canceled when we were supposed to be before then. Oh my gosh. My wife's car, the engine gave out. It just, I don't know, <laughs> I think like the engine just bursted, it exploded. Um, and so their car was like out of commission. So we had canceled the original and this was the already the rescheduled date. And I was like, we're ne- this is never going to happen. We're never going to meet. How um, much were you sweating at this moment? Were you just like, just, just sweating so much, so nervous? I was just like, oh my God. And I think at this point I was running about like almost 20 minutes late. Okay. I think it was 15. So it wasn't like terrible. And I was like texting whenever I could. I'd be like, accident on the freeway. Sorry. Like, oh, the parking is really bad. I was like, I'm going to show up. I promise. So finally, I do find parking. Thankfully, like really actually close to the door. And so I walk in and surprisingly enough, even though it's like six o'clock, uh, it's pretty empty inside the cafe. Um, I think they maybe opened at six. So I walk up to the bar and it's kind of like a, one of those like you kind of shapes. And so my wife is sitting on like the long end and then there's one seat next to them and then it's the corner and then there's one person over here and uh-huh. then they're the only two people there and they're both just like doing separate things. So I walk up and I'm like, Hey, hi, sorry. I'm late. Um, the typical, like, how are you? Like, nice to meet you. Like, what do you, what do you want to order? Do you want to order food, drinks? So the first like awkward five minutes of like trying to figure out the right banter is going like, as if it was going fine. And then I don't know what exactly one of us said, but it caught the attention of the only other person in the bar. I was so afraid you're going to say that. It caught her attention and she made a comment and we're like okay cool and then so that was that and so then we go back to talking and then we say something else that also catches her attention and so then she jumps again back into the conversation and this time for much longer she's Mm -hmm. talking to us for maybe like five minutes um and then she proceeds to tell us that she is in town because her estranged father had passed away and so she had to come and clean out his house and found like just like newspapers that were 50 years old and like these old flyers and like a bunch of like things that would actually like go for a lot at an antique store but uh my wife has a master's in public history and so they were in their grad program at this time and so is then telling them that they should go to the historical society and drop them off and i am diluting this conversation log this conversation was going back and forth in front of me for 15 minutes so my wife is right here this person is over here i'm just kind of like sitting back watching them like talk back and talk forth. over you <laughs> yeah so I was like, I don't really have anything to add. And they're not, she's not talking to me about all this. I remember a point, like, uh, the bar had, like, a mirror behind where the bottles were at. And I remember looking into the mirror thinking, like, is there a camera back there? Like, is that why there's nobody else in this bar? Like, is this some kind of, like, setup? Like, who is this person? Like, and it just kept happening. And so then finally that conversation stopped. And... We came back and to be fair, my wife did look a little like, we both were like, what are we going to do? Like not talk to her? Her estranged father died as she's going through who knows how many emotions. It's at this point that my wife suggests that like, maybe we should get 
some food because our drinks are finished and we're just sitting here talking to somebody else. Um, so we order some snacks. I go to the bathroom. I checked my phone and I was like, I feel like this date is probably going to last five more minutes and I'm going to hit traffic on the way home because I have actually yet to actually talk to, um, I want to say this Hunter. Okay. Um, I did actually have a full on conversation with them about anything so far. So I was like, I was like, yeah, I, was like, All right, I should probably look at the GPS, like while I was in the bathroom trying to see like, are there any accidents? Like, am I going to run into anything like that? So I go back out there. Our food is there. They're talking again. Like, I feel like I'm on somebody else's date right now, but this time I think they were talking about dating or something related. And the woman says, she was like, yeah, I figured you two were on a date. So she's aware of the fact that she's yeah. totally crashing. The entire time. She was like, yeah, I figured you two were on a date right now, actually. Like, this is a pretty, like, good date spot. And we were like... <laughs> it would be if you weren't interjecting. <laughs> so, and the thing is that I remembered when I first got there, I overheard her talking to the bartender that she was getting ready to close out. But now, 45 minutes later... She had not closed out. She stayed. And I think I even ordered another glass of wine while she was talking to us. Um, She did eventually leave. (laughs) Uh, And we were just like, it was kind of hard to come back for that. And to like, because I didn't know what else to talk about. Like something like that just happened. And she told us that she knew we were on a date. And I was like, we can't like, we we got to talk about something else. I don't know. Like, this is like, this can't be, (laughs) this happens. And my wife started telling me about this um, dive bar that was down the street that had this vending machine where they had scratched out every bit um, of the like option you would press. So it was kind of like a mystery beer. And it was like $2 if you wanted to go. And Hunter like really sold it. And I was like, yeah, I guess. And so now Hunter says like, they were scrambling to find a way to like resuscitate the date. We had finished our snacks. We didn't order another drink. And we were both just kind of feeling like weird about like having had like a, a third wheel, like through and through on our date. Totally. So we walked down um, to this new place and I got the mystery beer. It tasted like piss water. It was oh, terrible. Sorry. But that was part of your experience. And that really kind of like, that was like a big things got better once we got to the the second location like that and I think we both thought when we were like going home for the night I don't think either one of us really thought a second date was gonna happen and I was like you know if I never hear from them again that's okay (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but we did end up going on a second date that was it was going better until the very end. No, <laughs> I was hoping you're like, and it was been smooth sailing ever since. <laughs> Close book. And we were just like, this is like going to be a thing forever because we were at a Mexican restaurant. We were there like right around when they were closing kind of. And Hunter sees someone who they used to work with like kind of on their way out and just kind of waved. It was like, oh, hey, have a good night. And he saw us and he was like, oh my God, Hunter, hey. and he pulls up a chair to our table. Oh my gosh. The table only had two chairs for me and Hunter. And he grabbed the table of a chair that was available from an empty table and just sat down next to us. And uh, he, I wouldn't say that he was sober per se. 
Okay. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. And just started talking to us about all kinds of things. And at some point started telling me about all of his family history and the troubles that exist there. A clear and theme of the dates. On while this is all happening, the restaurant's also closing down around us. They're like <laughs> waiting on tables, like because we weren't going to stay that much longer. But then this person showed up, and once we once once he left, and once we were leaving, Hunter was like, "I regret waiting at him." I, <laughs> I thought he was going to be like, "Oh, good to see you," and then leave like a normal person. And we were just so sure that we were never going to have a private moment on our <laughs> it was just like a theme that we were never going to be like on dates and then after that it was smooth sailing okay good phew I was really hoping that was going to be soon <laughs> yeah but that first date I we always tell everybody about it like that it was for both of us like one of the worst dates we've been on and not really the again like a lot of things were so out of our control which yes. kind of made it worse because <laughs> In my opinion, because like I I literally couldn't change anything. Like it was like the steering wheel was out of my hand, the car was gonna crash, whatever. Like no matter what I did, the plane was going down. Which I just I feel like that kind of makes it work. I feel like if somebody was being a jerk, Mm -hmm. like that's something that they could like change. Or if I was being rude or Hunter was like being picky about something, like there's a little more like control there. But when it's just like the universe messing around with you, like that feels like more frustrating. I so hear that. And it's really interesting to hear you say that because I was thinking of it, I think in the reverse where I was like, well, at least, you know, or in that moment that it's like outside of your control. And I guess that to me is like, well, at least, you know, the person I'm on a date with, you know, is is going, they're a good person. You know, I like them. I'm intrigued by them, but I see how you're framing it as well, where it's just like, you have no control over it and you want it to go in one direction so badly and then things just keep happening and the other part is that because that person jumped in on our conversation so early on in the first date like i didn't know hunter that well i was like are they person like it's hard to say like totally good point good point yeah that creates a lot of uncertainty about the entire situation and you said after the first date you were like, I'm not sure if I'm going to have a second date with this person. What do you think changed about that? What what made the second date happen? Honestly, they asked me out. I just like was not expecting to hear from them at all. Honestly, I remember like when I got home, they sent me a text like, "Tonight was fun. I hope we made it safe." And I just tried that. I was like, "Like I'm home now. Like have a good night." And part of me just felt like really certain that was the last time I was ever going to hear from them. And then, because I didn't hear from them like, for a couple of days, I think it must have been like the weekend or something. And I didn't hear from them because I think we went out on like a Thursday. And then I didn't hear from them Friday or Saturday. And so I was just like, okay, you know, that's probably it. Yeah, I would have, right. I would have written it off as well. That's a lot of time. But then as it turns out, um, they used to be a bartender and they had another job as well. And so they had like a back-to-back like shift on Friday. Oh, and they went to the mechanic also because of the car thing. Oh, right. Exploding and yeah. yeah. Engine. So they had to take the bus and like their phone had died. I'm like, I believed everything because like I have also been without a car and like when it rains, it pours. And then on Saturday, they had like spent all day with some friends. So I didn't hear from them until like Sunday 
afternoon. And I was surprised to hear them. I was like, I was pleasantly surprised to hear from them. Yes. Yes. Um, and they were like, do you want to, um, you know, go tequila tasting and like try a different place and like try again. Um, and I said, yeah, I was like, yeah, let's go do it. So I just was really sure that I wasn't going to hear. And so when they asked me out, I was like, yeah, because what I found out about them in the second part of the first day where we actually got to talk, I liked a lot of things about them. So I was like, hopefully I can learn more about those things on the second day. And the second day was a little bit rocky at the end, but for the most part, it was good. Yes. There was, there was a majority of the time where you were uninterrupted and had what was hopefully going to be a, yeah, a good date. So I'm, I'm hearing that you and your wife kind of make sense of these first two dates as something like to laugh at, or just to kind of laugh at the absurdity of it and just say like, you know, thank goodness we were resilient and we kept following our, our intrigue with each other. Any way else that you both like make sense of those bad date experiences? I think like romantic part of us is like, it was just meant to be like, Maybe that's the way things were supposed to play out. Maybe uh, the first date was supposed to go bad so that we could then go to the dive bar and so that we could feel like a, like a need to like try again, to try the second date. You know, we phrase it sometimes like that, like it was just, that's how it was supposed to go. And yeah, just kind of like a funny story for the most part. Totally. Uh, and also kind of like a, like a hopeful story for our friends who are dating. Because I like that. A lot of our friends who date, whether whether online dating or alternative methods like meeting in person, and more often than not, I hear a lot of my friends like, you know, it's rough out there trying to like really connect with someone and really find like consistency in people and like trying to like just trying to like meet somebody. And so we tell them like about our first date that it was like. Yeah, it was kind of like a shit show for 80% of it. Um, but we gave each other a chance, essentially. Mm-hmm. And it's a way to say that, like, you you really can't know what's coming. And I think for some of our friends, it is a little bit of a hopeful story. Because we were also, we met on Bumble, actually, my wife. Oh, and nice. I, I was actually going to ask. Yeah, nice. Yeah, we met online. And a lot of our friends who use online dating, they just, like, like I have to go through so many like losers or through so many like like trying to have a conversation with somebody and trying to move things in person is hard. And so, you know, it was like we met online and like I think my wife had downloaded Bumble two weeks prior to us meeting. I think I was like the second or third person they matched with. And that's a real that's also why we say you're like it was just meant to be that way. It, it gives hope to people who do online dating that like it does work out. You know, I dated other people before I met Hunter and, you know, none of those dates went bad, but I ended up marrying Hunter. Right. Yeah. They weren't bad, but not good enough to, you know, form a a good enough relationship to, you know, be married to. So I love that you bring up online dating because I do think a lot of folks who are kind of going through that grind get a little, I know my sister is constantly re-downloading, downloading, you know, Tinder, bumble hinge and just saying like it's so much effort and it's like online dating dating in general but especially online dating where you're just taking so many risks and just saying like i'm gonna meet this kind of stranger online and hope it goes well when you met your wife on bumble do you remember anything about their profile that caught your eye or was it the conversation maybe yes there were a couple of things where i was like 
intrigued. Um, they had a dog. They have a dog. And I was like, oh, that's fun. And they, there was another picture of them. Like somebody else had taken the photo of them. Mm-hmm. And they just looked like they were like in the middle of a conversation and just like smiling. And I liked that they had like just natural photos on there mm-hmm. like just like like the picture of them with nova our dog um again like someone else took it it was just hunter was just scratching Nova's belly and the picture of them just on their couch just like in a conversation it was just like it was them it was very authentic not to say that like a selfie is inauthentic but it just it felt authentic in a way that they were willing to show themselves a little bit more in an online profile. And they had in their profile that they were big fans of museums. I like museums and that they were studying public history. And I didn't really know what public history was at the time. And I was just really curious about that. I love to learn as most PhDs do. So I was mainly like really drawn in by the authentic photos and really just curious about the things that they were interested in, the things that they did, and wanted to know more. Nice. Nice. I think that's so fast. I've never heard someone kind of talk about being intrigued by someone's photos. I mean, photos are like a super important part of an online dating profile, but like the point of view from like who is behind the camera, like, is it a selfie? Is it taken by a third person? And how the third person photo might feel more, as you said, authentic. I think that's super interesting. And it shows that, yeah, it shows them in a more candid, less posed Um, situation. Super interesting. Do you love making cocktails at home? Do you love supporting small businesses? Well, then you got to check out Aged and Infused, friends. The Chicago local business crafts delicious, all-natural alcohol infusion kits that help you craft a better drink come happy hour or any hour. With locally sourced ingredients like oranges, cinnamon, cranberries, and cloves, these kits make a delicious addition to any home bar. Just add your favorite spirit, wait three days, and voila, happy hour is here. Visit agedandinfused.com to shop the full line, explore cocktail recipes, and more. Cheers, friends. Well, Jess, you are a literal PhD in communication. Is there any type of communication research or theories that help you make sense of your bad date experiences with your wife? That's really a theory, but like the concept of mockery, having similarities in each other, that's mostly talked about in friendships, but... Uh, my wife and I both value friendships. And I think even in the beginning, we really like felt like we were building a close friendship with each other. The thing with similarity of Mothley is basically that it's not necessarily that you find people who like the same kind of food as you or same favorite color. Um, it's what ends up being more important in a relationship with similarity is the values that you share and interests so like these more like big idea aspects mm-hmm. so it's not just that me and my wife like the same kind of foods it's that we are both open to experiencing new kinds of food we love to go we still love to go to restaurants and do that small share plates we like to get a little bit of taste of like different things because we both enjoy experiencing new things mm-hmm. and we both enjoy walking but we enjoy walking because we like to take in more of the environment around us and see the things that we might not always see when we're driving and so it's more of these like big idea values that we share with each other and there's a lot of things that make us different also like like, they love mayonnaise i hate mayonnaise (laughs) (laughs) that's one experience i will not embark on there's other things that like make us different like they really like uh 
reality TV show. Like they love certain reality TV shows that I'm just like, I can't do too much of that. I think some of the shows that I like to watch, they're like, oh, I can't watch it. I think another big thing that was really important to us in our early on in our conversations was it was very easy to transition between different topics. We had a very like natural flow, both when we talked in person and when we talked through text. It was very easy to change conversation topics. Um, There wasn't necessarily, I don't know, it wasn't hard to like make a segue to a different topic. It was more than my reciprocity in our conversations. It was just like, you know, the onion model, right? Oh, the onion model. Yes, yes, yes. Social penetration theory. Your relationship is based on like how many, the number of topics and then like how deep you talk about those topics. And so it felt like it was really easy to like peel the layers of the onions. It felt like we were like doing it together. It was like easy to transition between all these kinds of different topics and talk a little bit of deeper about some topics and really just truly be open with each other. And it, it felt like we were really doing it together, that we were both interested in learning uh, things about each other and Sometimes I would segue to a different topic. Sometimes they would segue, but it wasn't, there weren't these like rigid lines and like turn-taking conversations. It just, honestly, talking to them through text didn't feel any different than talking to them in person, which I know was a very rare thing to find. And I'm forgetting the citation. My advisor would be so upset with me, but there is a study that shows that when couples can you know, fluctuate very seamlessly through in-person mediated communication. It it shows that they are, uh, I might be misquoting myself, but like stronger, more successful relationships versus like, you know, folks who are like, I will only talk about my feelings when I'm texting my partner. But when we're in person, we can joke and, you know, laugh and whatnot. But it's like, you know, not, there aren't only some topics reserved for certain mediums of communication. I think your advisor would be upset because that's Coughlin and Sharabi. I'm going to end this call right now. My career's over. I can't recover from that. communicative interdependence uh, perspective, which is there is this idea of mode segmentation and mode integration. And like you said, how easily people can facilitate their communication across a variety of modes is a, it's a representation of how closely bonded and connected that couple is. I'd like to issue a formal apology to my co-advisor, Dr. Liesl Sharabi, for failing to forget that it is literally her research. (laughs) Just thank you for saving me. You are absolutely correct. (laughs) Oh, that is so, so funny. You know, and also to your point with homophily, I think it is so kind of as you were describing, you know, how you saw your wife on online dating and then kind of like what similarities you were picking up on during your first two bad date experiences. I think that can be kind of a, maybe like a guidepost for folks who might be thinking about whether or not they're on a bad date with someone and they're not sure to attribute it to the person or the environment. And maybe it can be, that could be like a sign for people to be like, okay, what do I have in common? You know, what kind of big ticket values, morals do I have in common with this person that I'm picking up on? And if there's enough for someone to you know, and taking that as a cue to to be like, you know, if I can find enough similarities with this person, maybe it's more so the environment and not the person. And I can kind of give it a second, a second chance as one way to make sense of it as well. Yes. And I think sometimes it's kind of hard to like think that way. Like, because I, I think a lot of us, like when we go on these like dates, we're not necessarily always thinking about like, is this going to be like the person? I mean, I guess, I mean, I don't know. I'm not like that. I think I just had enough genuine interest in Hunter as like a person who I just like, wanted to know more. You know, we even like talked about it early on. We were like, we both just really appreciated having each other 
in our lives and that we would never want to not have each other like in any capacity like if for some reason we ever broke up we wouldn't we wouldn't want to stop being friends like we mm, nice genuinely just really enjoy each other's presence in our lives and that obviously developed after a little while but I think doing dating and online dating I think you kind of have to give yourself a bit of a like a pep talk of sorts and being like probably not everybody is going to be a winner but not everyone's going to be a loser either. Sometimes it's a waiting game. Sometimes it's just being open to whatever happens. And sometimes it is just kind of like taking a second with yourself and be like, okay, yes, things are not perfect. But what about them is good? As you were saying, with like, kind of like thinking about bigger, like what values? Like, why am I even on the stake with this person? Like what brought me here and what would possibly keep me here? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great way of framing that. Well, Jess, do you have any other bad date stories that you'd like to regale the listeners of this podcast with? One time I was going out to dinner with somebody and we had been having like pretty good conversations like on, it was another online dating site. And so I was kind of excited to go on the date. And then the conversation did not translate to in-person conversation. It was very like one word answers to any questions I had. Um, there was a lot of like silence and like lulls because I was like, gave me nothing to work off of. And it was a very quiet dinner. Wow. Um, a quiet dinner. That sounds for me like torture. I just like, I mean, I guess I could just keep asking them questions, but I feel like, I don't know. It was like a conversation takes two and I wasn't really getting anything to work off of. So I was kind of disappointed because I had been so excited to meet that person, like in, you know, in real life. Mm-hmm. And it was a little disappointing to not have the energy match. And I think people like talk about this a lot sometimes that there's an inconsistency between who the person is in the chat and who the person yes. is when you meet them. And I know that makes a lot of people nervous or like it turns them off of like online dating. Um, and so to that extent, I'm like, yeah, that happens. That's part of the, it's part of the search. It def- yeah, definitely part of the search. And to me, I do think that's one of the most confusing things possible. Cause it's like, you know, how can the flow be so good when we're texting and, and it not translate? Like to me, you know, ideally that would, that would translate, but you know, people have different levels of comfortability with certain modes of communication as well. So I think that plays into it, but it can definitely be ooh, a quiet dinner a quiet dinner because then like i mean not to like put it to this like extent but like how do you trust that person if like they're not totally gonna, like, like was that really texting me is that somebody else you're like what's different now like like you'd be excited to see me like totally yeah it it definitely i think for me it comes up both so my dissertation is going to be about online online dating deception. And so like what forms of communication, like kind of trigger these red flag uh, responses where it's like, are you, yeah, as you said, like, can I trust you? Are you not who you said you were? Like, who was I texting and who is in front of me right now? Like, why is this so, why is this so different? I think it's difficult to make sense of that. You know, one time somebody had an allergic reaction in the middle of dinner. Oh no. It was to the point where I think they needed an EpiPen. Like had to administer an EpiPen mid-date. They went to their car. or oh, no. They were just like, they were like, I think this has um, like peanut oil or something in it. And it was like, uh, and so we had to ask. I was like, do you guys use peanut oil? And they were like, oh yeah. I think she had gotten like fried rice. And she was like, like her throat was like, and she was like, oh, 
okay, like, I think I'm going to take my EpiPen before I go into anaphylactic shock. And I was like, uh. Oh my gosh. So went to their car, EpiPen, came back, was and did, did the come, date. Did not come back. Oh, did not come did back. Texted me that they were like, I think I should go home. Oh. Um, they were like, you're free to take my food. On top of that, they're my ride home. Oh no. <laughs> So, <laughs> you're like hey I got free leftovers love that but also how am I getting home <laughs> I ended up having to call um a Lyft home but I were just like the Lyft driver asked me like oh, how's your neck going and I was like oh all right Oh gosh. And you know, having your date, you know, at least it's not like your date left mid-date and was like, oh, I gotta go check my tire pressure and then like never came back. It was like a very clear and understandable reason as to why they did not return. Yeah, I remember like kind of sitting in the restaurant like while they were out of the car and I was like, Are you okay? Like, do you need me to call someone? Like, should I go up there? And they were just like, like no. Um, but I think I'm going to go home, like usually after the shot, I have to like lay down. Oh my gosh. I mean, I've never gotten an Emmy 10, but I feel like it, I don't know what it does actually. I don't know what it does either. I definitely trust their experience. You're like, if you need to lay down, you know, definitely go ahead. But were you maybe hoping there would still be an offer to drive you home afterwards? A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> part of it, like, I think part of me also like in the moment while it was happening, I forgot about that part. But then when they left and I just had like a few minutes to like sit and it's like, Ooh, yeah, well, and not only that too, I'm just thinking about okay. how now you're meant, you have to pay for the whole dinner. And I don't know if that was the plan to begin with, or if you're going to split the bill, but I paid for the whole dinner, And then I had to pay for the lift right home. Um, oh gosh. So, so way more expensive than you wanted it to be. Yeah. I mean, I did get the leftovers, so I did. I had lunch for two days, which was fine. That's always, that's always good. Those are probably the top ones. Those were some top, those were some top notch stories. And were both of those stories online dating matches as well? They were, yes. It's easier when you're in the queer community to do online dating, especially, you know, given your geographical location. Like I did online dating when I was living in Lawrence, Kansas, in mm-hmm. the Midwest, and Kansas City. And both those places are very like open and accepting of queer and LGBTQ. Um, people but for me it just felt like just to be safe I would like to go somewhere where like I'm approaching someone who wants to be approached yes yeah that's a great point yeah when I was online dating in Chicago it's like Chicago is a very open accepting city you know but just to be sure someone is interested in you know and identifies as queer like online dating helps solidify that what was your favorite dating app when you were online dating Bumble it mm-hmm. felt like it had the least amount of glitches. Oh, interesting. Like technologically, like a lot of them, like Tinder for all it is, like tends to have a lot of glitches. And I just didn't like the interface was very like, it felt very like, it felt very like what it was supposed to do in the early days, just like hookups. It was, mm-hmm. I don't know. I didn't really like it. Um, Bumble just had like a much cleaner interface. And I liked that you, I liked the questions that they gave you. And you don't have to answer all of them. You could select which ones you wanted. And it was, there were like funny things like, oh, are you more, would you rather go to the beach? Would you rather go to the mountain? Would you um, like coffee or tea? Um, what's your like ideal weekend night that'll look like? And it was like little prompts like that. So you could do that in addition to whatever you put in your bio. Yeah. 
it was also kind of, and those were also good to like start the conversations in the chat. Yes. Um, you could respond to whatever answer they give in those questions. And I feel like with Tinder, like, yeah, you could write a bio, but you know, how long of a bio do you want to write on there? Totally. Totally. And, and also I think you could connect your Bumble to your Spotify. Oh, that's right. I have heard that. Yeah. yeah. You could show like what albums you were listening to or who your top artists were. Mm-hmm. And some people even connected to their Instagram. I didn't do that part. But if you wanted to follow someone on there. So mm-hmm. like things like those, I think, helped create a more full picture of who this person was, um, which made it easier to have a conversation. Super. Yeah, I think that's a great point as well. Like more information than less information is best to kind of have a, a nice, unique conversation, you know, on the online dating app. I always tell my sister, like, you know, if you want to have like a first message, that's going to stand out. It's like directly comment about something. It shows that you like read their online dating profile. You like took it to heart. you like thought about it. And I think that's going to be more, you know, attention catching than like some weird pun, not to crap on puns, but you know, puns can only do so much work. <laughs> you wouldn't tell somebody that in real life, but like, if you talk to this person, like, if you saw that person at a bar, like, are you really going to pun at them? That's a good point as well. That's a good point as well. You know, what they're wearing or like what they're eating, what they're drinking or like, like, just think of like a conversation starter as if the conversation is anywhere else. I think people feel like when they message somebody online, that it somehow doesn't follow the same protocols and talk to people face to face. Super interesting. Yeah. And so if we maybe just applied that same scenario, like maybe we would have better, better openers. Yeah, I think so. I mean, honestly, even if you just said like, hey, how's it going? So it's like, yes, you would say that to somebody. Like, it's oh. true. Well, Jess, I know we're at time here. Is there anything else you wanted to discuss or mention in this interview? Thank you for inviting me on. Oh my gosh, Jess, it's been an honor to listen to your stories. Again, I'm so sorry you had bad experiences and yet I'm happy you did because they brought you to your marriage and which sounds like it's going well. So I think it's always good to, I, I always love hearing bad date stories, period, but also ones that like have a, like a happier ending to it that kind of like show the human resilience of, of relational development and that, you know, bad dates are not going to end the potential of a relationship. That relationship will keep on moving forward. So thank you so much for speaking about that. Yeah, of course. 